welcome to the Farming on Purpose podcast. Today's challenges in agriculture are new, but the grit and determination required to be successful have been handed down for generations. On the Farming on Purpose podcast, we preserve the ag heritage and traditions we built our identity on while pursuing the American dream of multi-generation farms that innovate for the future. Listen along as we share stories of how farmers and ranchers are building legacies, both in their business and their character, for the sake of those they'll pass the reins to. I'm your host, Lexi Wright, and I'm excited to talk with you about the financial, generational, and production challenges facing producers in the ag industry today. This podcast is brought to you by Back Pocket Social Marketing. And yes, this is Lexi here. This podcast has been a real passion project for me. All the time that goes into interviewing guests, editing, and producing the show is sponsored by my freelance marketing agency. We specialize in website design, social media advertising, content creation and management, and email marketing. If you like to take a foundational approach to your marketing and figure out exactly what's working for you and what's not, and really focus on efficiency, then you would be a great candidate to work with us. You can reach out and talk with us more at Lexi at BackPocketSocial.com. We would love to help you solve your marketing challenges. Welcome back to Farming on Purpose. I'm so excited today to have Michaela Gasling here. Uh, Michaela is a writer, speaker, farm wife, and mom to four kids. And after growing up on a farm, she moved to the city to pursue a career as an ultrasound technologist and knew that something was missing, even though there was lots of success there. She and her husband, Matt, returned to their roots on Matt's grandparents' homestead together, where they are raising those kiddos, cattle, and crops. Michaela is passionate about sharing her experience of how suffering emergency brain surgery, recovery, and most importantly, hope brought her to a life of unexpected abundance. So welcome to the podcast, Michaela. I'm so excited to hear more about your story and just enjoy some of your wisdom today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Now let's unpack a little bit of your story there. Do you want to tell us, um, one, kind of what your background in ag is and what those early years of um, returning to the farm looked like, and then maybe touch more on how your stories unfolded from there. Sure. So I grew up in central Nebraska on a farm and ranch. My parents grow mostly corn, uh, some alfalfa, and they raised the five of us kids and, and lots of cattle. Um, I was involved to some extent, but I'm the oldest of five. So I naturally did a lot of babysitting and things like that versus uh, being involved a ton with the farm work. Uh, Then I met when, when I met my husband, Matt, um, and got married, I knew even before we got married that he, his dream was to return to farming someday. Uh, he's His family is from here in Western Nebraska. So I finished ultrasound school and we moved to Western Nebraska to one of the only bigger, I don't even know if you'd call it a city, but I worked as an ultrasound technologist there for 
uh, seven or eight years until we decided that I was pregnant with my second baby and we just knew we really were feeling the pull to get out of the city, I guess, and back to the farm. So we moved in 2014 to uh, Matt's family's homestead. His grandparents um, raised their all of their kids here and Matt's parents live just a couple of miles away and he has one brother and sister-in-law who just live a mile down the road. Um, but we moved here in 2014 with a two and a half year old and a three week old baby. So that was an experience in itself, but we've been here ever since. And I still worked part-time doing ultrasounds for a while, driving a long distance to a hospital to work. But after our third baby was born, it kind of wasn't feasible to pay for daycare and just work part-time. So I've been full-time at home since 2017 or 2018, um, just helping on the farm and raising our now four children um, and the cattle and the crops, as you said. So that third baby, really that's how we got to the farm. Everything, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of how we got to the farm. And my husband still works uh, full-time as an agronomist in town. You know, he has the town job so that we can have insurance, which we can talk, I'm sure, a lot more about that because I feel like that's not uncommon right now is that one person has to have a job for insurance um, outside of the farm. And right now it's him uh, since I'm raising the four children right now. Um, but yeah, in 2020, we had a little um, plot twist, I guess you could say. We were pregnant with our uh not unplanned, but surprise, fourth baby. And I started having some uh, pregnancy issues, not necessarily with the pregnancy itself, but myself, I was having headaches that kept getting worse uh, the further along I went into my pregnancy. And then towards the end, I noticed that I could not hear out of my left ear. And I was having extreme issues with my balance, like not just, um, you know, they say pregnancy, of course, affects your balance. But um, I think I knew that something was up beyond pregnancy, but I just kept I was so close to delivering that I just kept saying, I will figure it out as soon as the baby's here. I just wanted to focus on getting the baby here. And so. October 13th, we delivered our healthy, perfect baby girl. And four days later, I was just completely debilitated still by those headaches. And Matt took me to the emergency room where an MRI showed that I had a large brain tumor and severe swelling in my brain. So I had to be, I needed emergency brain surgery. And out here in Western Nebraska, we have a, like I said, we have a really great hospital, but it's, it's only so big. So I needed to be taken to Denver uh, so the surgery could be performed. And so one week postpartum, I had brain surgery and it all went extremely well. I, I write a lot, as you said, about all of the miracles that God gave us 
throughout that process. The tumor was benign. My surgery went really well. They removed the entire brain tumor. Um, I didn't have any lasting side effects from surgery. And uh, most importantly and amazingly, by the grace of God, I got to walk out of that hospital three days after surgery and come home to my family that I'd been away from for nine days, uh, including my newborn. So there were, like I said, lots of miracles, lots of um, answered prayers through that entire thing. Recovery went well, uh, although slow, like it was supposed to, very tired, also taking care of a newborn, four children, uh, but I had lots of help. And um, two and a half years later, we're all doing extremely well. Uh, it was just a major, I guess, incident in our lives that really showed us uh, what's truly important as anyone who's been through a scary diagnosis or traumatic um, experience would probably tell you. So we're still, I guess, here. Um, not much has changed as far as the farming aspect. Matt still has his town job and I'm still here with the four kiddos. So that's kind of what has brought us to this point, I guess. Well, that's quite a story. Um, first of all, so, so many things there to kind of touch on further. But first off, I think it's important that you recognize, you know, even with that crazy, impossible circumstance that you just described, there were so many blessings throughout that process and things to be thankful for. And I think that positivity is something that I know for me personally drew me to your story so much of like, wow, this woman had a baby and just day, I mean, as stressful as that is trying to figure out how a newborn fits into your family and what that, that all looks like. And then just days later is experiencing this, you know, terrible news that no one ever wants to hear and going through all of that. What were you thinking about during that time? What was your husband thinking about? Uh, I was very unusually calm. And I know now that it was just only that peace from God that transcends all understanding because it made zero sense that I was just calm. Other than I tell people like I work in the medical field. I had complete trust in my surgeons. I was in the best neurology hospital in the entire Midwest. Like, so those things were good. But also, I just I know that it was God who just placed that peace on me because although he didn't show it at the time, my husband was not calm like that. Um, I mean, he as men do, he did a very good job of being strong for me in front of me. But he thankfully had lots of support and prayers and friends lifting us all up because I mean, my friends, my mom, everyone was kind of a mess, I guess I found out later. Um, but I just, I was, yeah, had this very awesome feeling of peace. Like it just was going to be okay no matter what. And I, I know that that just only was from my trust in God. So. Wow. And then, it, so your husband took 
the baby home from the hospital with him or how did the whole family situation work out during that time? Well, luckily we have family very close, like I said. So my um, parents had actually planned on, it was a Saturday night when I went to the emergency room and they had actually planned on coming on Sunday to meet the new baby. Um, So they, even though Matt and I were not here, my mother-in-law had all four of the children because we had called her, you know, Saturday evening to come over and be with them saying we have to go to the emergency room. Um, so we were in Denver and my, my mom took our then, um, she had just turned three. My mom took her home with her back to, it's about three and a half hours back to central Nebraska And my two big kids went next door to stay with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law because she's a teacher at the school. So that way they could just go back and forth to school with her. Mm -hmm. And then my mother-in-law and father-in-law took the baby um, over to their house. So that's, that's where they all went. And it worked incredibly well for all of them. And I think it helped my mom and my mother-in-law to have kiddos to take care of too during that time so oh absolutely I think and that probably shows a little bit like of my own motherhood brain turning on of where I'm like okay let's talk logistics where was everyone at how are they getting taken care of while you guys were experiencing this emergency and it you're probably right and having everybody be able to have that some semblance of normalcy for your older kids and then having your mom just be able to be there for your toddler makes such a difference Mm -hmm. yeah wow yeah and it was it was good because they all just figured it out and you know I it wasn't something that I had to worry about I mean I definitely it was on my mind but I knew that they just were all in really great hands so yeah yeah when you were pregnant and kind of experiencing those headaches and strange symptoms you said you were really just focused on getting to delivery and meeting baby, but did you ever wonder if something was wrong or did you think it was just all pregnancy related? I think deep down, I knew that something was wrong. I mean, I, I work in healthcare. I, I went through the what ifs in my mind, but also, like I said, I just, I really wanted to just get the baby here and then deal with it. And now in hindsight, I am forever grateful in the order that things played out because I have, I did spend some time playing the what if game, you know, like what if I had been diagnosed at 20 weeks and they told me you have to choose surgery or the baby, like how horrible to have to make that decision or to be faced with that. And what if it had been like when things were, when my symptoms were getting really severe. So say like around 34 or 35 weeks, what if I had been diagnosed and then they would take me for an emergency C-section and tell me, or, you know, like then I'd have a premature NICU baby and be recovering from a C-section and having to have a major, another major surgery. Like it just, 
I would not even want to be in those situations. I know that, you know, we would have made it through if that's the way that God had planned it. But it really, I'm so thankful for the order and the timing of it all. Yeah. Well, it sounds like um, for having such horrible news, everything really did work out the best possible scenario other than obviously having to have emergency brain surgery. There really wasn't anything that could have gone better from what I'm hearing you say. Was was this like just a miracle? Is that how everybody felt about it? Absolutely. Yes. And so, so many miracles. And I, I recognized the miracles along the way, I think, but to have people afterwards, um, my husband's, um, one of his sisters came to Denver, um, and was in the hospital with us most of the time during visiting hours, which that was a miracle right there. Because remember 2020, we're like at the height of COVID and oh, I didn't even visiting on that. limitations. Yeah, they were very strict. Um, it was amazing that my husband even got to be with me, but to for them to let another visitor be in the neurology ICU with us, it was pretty amazing. Um, but she told me afterwards that and she's she has one of the strongest faiths of anyone that I know. She flat out said, I've never in my life got to witness an actual walking miracle like that right in front of me. And that really gave me pause. And then to realize that, yeah, I guess I guess it was. Yeah. So wow. So what did it look like then when you got home? What was that recovery process and kind of just post experience of going or trying to process everything that had just happened? Well, I don't think emotionally I processed anything until many months later, but physically it was, I was very thankful that my husband got to stay home for the week after I got home and then my mother-in-law stayed here for for the next week after that when he had to go back to work uh, because I couldn't my restrictions were I could not lift anything heavier than the baby uh, so seven or eight pounds and I couldn't drive because I was still on uh, muscle relaxants and steroids and some pain meds um And I just needed lots of rest. I mean, you can imagine how tired you are postpartum and then a major surgery. I took probably one or two naps every day for the Mm. first two or three weeks. Um, And then after, I think the third week, my best friend flew up from Texas and stayed with me that week. And our community is around a thousand people and someone set up a meal train And we had meals delivered to our house every night for an entire month, which was also one of the most amazing things in the world. Um, I'd kind of like to sign up for that again without without the surgery experience. But we were just very well taken care of. Uh, But it did require a lot of rest. And uh, my older two were in school. And so a lot of times my mother-in-law would just take my toddler over to her house for a little while, you know, so that I could just literally sleep when the baby slept. And that was amazing. So. Yeah. 
Well, thank goodness for a community that surrounded you in that moment. Um, and mm-hmm. experience like that, you said you didn't kind of emotionally process it for months. What um, what changed or what did that shift in your perspectives as you processed that and kind of since that experience? Yeah, I feel like it was another blessing that things did happen so quickly. Like I, I didn't have time to, you know, be anxious or worry about things because it literally just, I went from the emergency room to the hospital to surgery a day later. Like it, it just happened very quickly. Um, so that was, a, I think a blessing, but then at my, when I went to my six week checkup postpartum with my OB and she's a friend of mine, she said, wow, like, how are you actually doing? Because you experienced something really traumatic right after birth. Mm -hmm. And I just looked at her and I was like, oh, I guess I, I didn't really think of it that way. Like it, it all turned out well. And, but then that really started my thinking, I guess, or just realizing that maybe I had felt those feelings, but you know, you're just, you're in recovery mode. You can't, you have four kids, you can't take time to like, you're just trying to physically recover. And so thinking about how, yeah, it was incredibly traumatic to have a four day old baby and, and leave late at night and not see her again for nine days. And I mean, I, I knew there was a point, I think a day or two after my surgery, uh, when I was talking to my mother-in-law on the phone and she was holding the baby and I, I just broke down crying and said, what if she doesn't even know me when I get home? Oh. And my sweet mother-in-law was like, oh, Michaela, she's going to. And she's like, I'm holding the phone up right now so that she can hear your voice. And she's just, she recognizes your voice and so I made a video and a couple of recordings of me just talking to her for my mother-in-law to to play so that, you know, it made me feel better knowing that like she'll hear my voice, she'll see my face, she'll know me when I get home because we didn't know, was I still going to be gone for a few more weeks? Like we didn't know when someone would be able to bring her to Denver to see us. And then of course, thankfully it was only three days after surgery that I got to come home. But so, yeah, it just kind of my OB saying that to me kind of made me realize that, yeah, it was really traumatic, even though I hadn't really thought about it at the time, there were a lot of, a lot of feelings about, um, not just grieving that I had such a a hard, uh, physically painful pregnancy and that I missed out on those first few days afterwards, you know, in the immediate postpartum period and just missing time with my kids. And it was really hard on them. You know, they were all, they were little at the time. They still are little, but so yeah, then I, I started seeing a therapist and I went back on uh, an antidepressant and just kind of started to work through all of the feelings. And I, for a while felt like, okay, I'm going to work through this and I'm just, 
I'm going to be healed. And in the past few months, I've had this amazing revelation that sometimes you're just, whether you're grieving a loss or something traumatic, you might not ever be fully healed, like healing. I know it's cliche, but it really is just a a journey that, and sometimes you can, you can feel really great. And then a month or two later, feel like, oh, I'm really having all of these emotions again that I thought I had processed through. And that experience is just always going to be a part of me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't want it to define me, but it's okay that, you know, I'm two and a half years out and I still can say I'm healing from it and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's so challenging that aspect of mental health and things that affect us like that emotionally, because you, you don't know when they're gone or coming back or anything like that until you get to a certain point and you're like, Oh wow, I really haven't felt like that in a long time. Or wow, it's been a really long time since I mm-hmm. had any of those negative emotions. It, you know, there's just so much of that that's very unpredictable. And I feel like in rural life, we where we're a little bit more isolated, we don't um, necessarily encounter a lot of social interactions day to day. It can almost take longer mm-hmm. for some of those things to, to heal because you're just kind of alone with your thoughts. Yes. And there's not, there's not an abundance of therapists out here. I mean, I drive 45 minutes to see my therapist now and and thank goodness that I found him. Um, But yeah, it's, it's not like we're in a big, big city that we have, you know, a hundred to pick from or something. So yeah, that does make it hard too. Hey, it's Lexi here, and I'm interrupting the show to tell you about a new option we have for marketing support for you. I've met so many people the past six months who are looking for DIY marketing support, and while I primarily offer marketing packages and website design in my marketing business, I'm excited to have something just for you DIYers too. So I know you need answers quickly to help you overcome tech challenges and get feedback on your marketing content when you have a spare minute to work on it. And you want to keep growing and learning how to make your marketing work in a way that makes sense for you. Here's what I've got for you. First, you can sign up for a free marketing toolkit, which includes social media post templates, email marketing outlines, video ideas, and a content planner and tracker. And to get tutorials and answers to those pressing questions, sign up for our weekly marketing tutorials for just $10 a month, where we tackle your most frustrating challenges together. Or sign up for the marketing support line, where you get direct access via text message to ask all of your tech support and marketing advice questions. It's like having a marketing and tech support person in your back pocket. We solve website issues, social media challenges, and just give feedback on the content you're creating. You can find those options at lexiwrightconsulting.com slash social under marketing support. Well, when as you've kind of been healing and processing that entire experience, like over the past couple of years, what have been the big things that you've focused on and kind of derived from that or what, what guides your thinking now as you continue to process it? I think just knowing that 
more than one thing can be true at a time. I frequently say um, I'm a big fan of and instead of but. Mm. So it's it's okay to say that that was incredibly traumatic and I'm incredibly grateful for how it all happened and all of the blessings because I think it's um, a misconception with any kind of trauma or uh, loss. Uh, our society just doesn't really know how to handle grieving mm-hmm. and and I get that. So it's been good to learn that you can say, uh, like I'll use, I'll use birth trauma as an example, because I think it's easier for people to understand. Um, Maybe you had a traumatic birth and your baby is alive and healthy and okay. So people like to just say, well, at least the baby's okay. Or Mm. just be grateful that you have this baby. And I like to remind people that you can feel sad about the way your birth went and also still be, yes, incredibly grateful for that baby. Um, And it's the same with this. I just, I think allowing myself to say, yeah, that really sucked. Even though it all turned out well, it was a lot for myself, for my little kids, for my husband, for my family. So it's okay to say, man, like we are so grateful that God answered so many prayers of the thousands of people that were praying for us. And it was a hard thing. Mm -hmm. So I think that's just been helpful to, yeah, focus on the positive, but don't, it's, I don't think the whole like toxic positivity, it's obviously, it's not helpful to just say, oh, you just have to focus on the positives because it's also important to work through all the other feelings of, you know, it was hard and it was sad. And I felt like I lost that bonding time of the first week with my baby. Um, And I'll thank God forever for all of the good that came from it. And even, even be so sound so crazy as to say, it was probably one of the best things to happen in my whole life because it completely changed the way I think and feel right now. And will I probably have to learn some of those lessons over and over again? Probably because I'm human, mm-hmm. but it just it has changed my thinking to and and my perspective to just, wow, like God really is everywhere all the time. Like don't miss the little things, the sunrises, the moments, you know, reading to your kids. And it's not, it's not saying that there are not going to be more hard things in my life, but it's just making sure I notice all of the little things that are amazing. (laughs) So. Yeah. um, I think you kind of wrote a little bit on this topic on your Instagram talking about Um, I almost missed this, not because necessarily of the brain tumor, but because your perspective was on different things. And Mm -hmm. as you described that of like the comparison, the worrying, the always striving for the next goal or the next thing, 
I think that's basically our entire society's norm. That's all that we do. That slowing down and and kind of just being present where you are is so hard to achieve. Um, so what are how do you go about? I mean, you've had this immense shift in perspective since this experience, but what was it that made you say, you know, maybe I shouldn't be focusing on being the best X, Y, Z, and I should just be more enjoying of life? I think just being reminded so personally, even though I have very close friends and family members who have suddenly lost a family member or someone close. Um, I think just having such a personal experience of learning that, wow, like, again, cliche, because it's true that you really don't, we all think that we have time and you, you just don't know, like this literally could be your last day and you would, you don't know. And so just to slow down and take the time to appreciate all of the little beautiful gifts that God gives us every day, instead of just being so focused on the future and tomorrow and all I need to get done. And like we all do, because that's what's driven into us. Mm -hmm. And I get that. I'm a very, I know you and Taryn talked about Enneagram types. I'm a type six. I'm very uh, driven and um, goal oriented, but just to take the time to say, yes, those things are important. I don't want to stay in the same place forever. We all have goals and things we're working towards, probably. But also, it's just so important to, at the end of the day, be able to say, did my family feel loved today? Did I spend time with them? Did I, you know, I, if that makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel myself as you talk about that. I, I have a t- bad tendency to take things to extremes. Do you ever feel pressure because of that lens that you're seeing things through of like almost returning to the same question of did I do everything I could today to be present? Did I do everything I could today to make sure my kids felt loved? Does that make sure. sense? Sure. And there are, I mean, we're in the mid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we're in the midst of summer and having all four of my kids home every day, which three of them are in school now. So that was kind of a big shift. And so there are certainly days that I'm like, oh my gosh, all we did was argue and like no one got along today. And I don't know what we accomplished today. Uh, but just, yeah, I I think at first I felt like this immense like you said, like I lived through this. Now I have to go do something great with my life. Like, you know, because I'm so grateful that I'm still here, but it didn't take very long. I think probably just again, as much as the pandemic was awful in so many ways, it was really, again, kind of a blessing to come home and be in this little cocoon because we had been warned, you know, I, I just had surgery and antibiotics and I was on a steroid. Like, Mm -hmm. even though my kids kept going to school, like be very, very careful, um, 
going out in the world and we didn't let anyone beyond um, like my mother-in-law and a couple other people in our home um, because we were so worried about me uh, getting sick after surgery. But it was it was kind of a blessing just to be in this little cocoon of just the six of us and spending that time. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just kind of a time to realize that, Hey, maybe this, this slowness, like maybe when I felt this nudge from what I thought was God saying, okay, you're here, you're alive. What great thing are you going to do from this? Uh, maybe that nudge is just look at these four kids in front of me. Like that is undeniably one of the most important things that you'll ever do. So maybe use this time, this slow time. And even in the future when it's not so slow anymore uh, to that's my big thing, raising them. I want them to know Jesus. Um, I want them and they do, they, they're incredible. Even, even, my now almost six-year-old who was just three at the time, she makes comments all the time that just kind of make me pause and look at her like, where, how do you, how did you even come up with that? But she'll, she'll say things like, you know, God saved you. God was with you. Uh, Jesus is everywhere. And it just, I'm like, yes, that is, that is my big important thing is teaching these kids uh, to know, to know and have a relationship with Jesus. So I think that is a really beautiful kind of explanation or day-to-day, um, detail of the term that you use a lot of living abundantly. And I think a lot of us, when we hear that, we do take it the opposite way of, we think, oh, we have to do something grand or spectacular with this time that we've been given but kind of redefining that and seeing how it fits into the everyday ordinary of our lives is what really mm-hmm. makes draws out that happiness or makes us feel that abundance where we are now. What is um, What are some of those things for you? I think it's so fun to hear from other people who live in rural areas, like what makes life feel abundant or special in the ordinary? Sure. Yeah, I and even you know, I've I've read that Bible verse before when it says I came so that you may have life and have it abundantly or I'm terrible at quoting scripture but something like that and you just tend to think especially we're in America like abundance like you want an abundance abundance of money or vacations or you just think I or maybe that's just me like you associate it with living lavishly or something. And when I realized that right here in front of me, this is abundance. I have the four most beautiful children and we all have our health and just, we live out here in Western Nebraska where our community is amazing. Our friends are amazing. Our family, we have all of this space. We go for walks every day and just look at all that God has created as, I mean, even, you know, they're just gravel roads and fields of 
right now it's uh what do we have along the driveway and the county road just oats and wheat and um, some corn and just watching it grow and realizing how truly amazing it is to to just get to be here and watch all of these things that God has provided for us and um yeah it's it's not it's not an abundance of money that will make us happy. It's realizing that abundance is just getting to watch your, your kids laugh or, you know, and, and don't get the wrong idea. I mean, like I told you before we started, I'm really sorry if you hear my four children, I may have bribed them with suckers on a movie to stay downstairs because there's plenty of fighting and arguing and not listening and days when you think that you might be failing as a parent, but to just come back to that, like we really have everything that we need here. And are there things that we're working towards that we might want to be different? Sure. Um, my husband would love to be able to just farm and ranch full time one day, but you know, there's the, the, the sneaky little insurance thing that we kind of feel like, you know, what, what would we have done? We, we couldn't have paid a million dollars worth of medical bills. So what would we have done without insurance? But I know that God will work it all out as he does. Um, so yeah, if that, I know it sometimes sounds corny, but just realizing that if you look around um, and ask yourself, like, what, what do I have that so many people would be grateful to have as far as, you know, we, we have food on the table, we get to go on adventures as families, even if that's just as a family, even if it's just hiking or whatever, just getting to spend that family time because time definitely is one of the most important things ever. You know, you might, like I said, you might not know when you're out of time. So just using it wisely. Yeah. Well, I think it's easy to hear that you have this kind of sense of peace with where you're at and how you spend your time on a day-to-day basis. And I think that's very challenging as you kind of hinted at for a lot of us in agriculture who maybe have circumstances that we wish were different, whether it's being able to farm full-time or wishing that the family operation was set up a little bit differently wanting to have more acres, you know, whatever that looks like, it can be, it can feel very disempowering. Um, But that, that sense of peace that you have, it sounds like achieved um, is really because of your mindset and how you're looking at the situation. Um, And having, I think, control of that mindset just does so much for us on a day-to-day basis. Do you have any suggestions for maybe like, ways to reframe your mindset if you get to thinking about something from one like a negative angle too often or in a rut of seeing something that you'd like to change and don't have the power to sure uh because it happened very recently maybe yesterday or the day before i told matt i said i feel like 
I'm really feeling this pull that I need to go back to work part-time because there's a lot of times that by the end of the day, by the time I lay down in bed, I feel like I may not have any brain cells left someday (laughs) after, you know, like motherhood and stay at home moms, working moms. I I think all of us, I don't want to, there's, I mean, I've been a working mom. I've been a part-time mom now, Mm -hmm. full-time staying at home. Um, it's all hard. Um, but yeah, there, there have been times recently when I'm like, I, I don't, I, I don't even know if I could remember anatomy when I'm doing an ultrasound because I just feel so drained at the end of every day after cooking, cleaning, changing diapers over and over and over and over Mm -hmm. again. But what I've found to be so helpful for myself and friends have said the same thing is just knowing, telling yourself, reminding yourself, this is a season. It will not be this way forever. It, there might be other hards. You know, my oldest is 11, so we're getting into the preteens. So there will be other hard things. But this feeling of, you know, all I did today was change diapers and clean up messes. This is just a season and it's it's not going to last forever. So I think that's a helpful thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And focusing on the the good, even around the hard, because like you said, there's always going to be new challenges and new hard things, but there's also going to be new good things too. Mm-hmm. And remembering yes. to see those, like yes. you said, can be hard when you feel like you crawl into bed at the end of the day and you're like, what just happened? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I just want to thank you so much, Michaela, for taking the shot, the time to share your story and perspective shifts that it that you've experienced. Um, is there anything we didn't get to talk about today that you really wanted to share? No, I enjoyed our conversation. Well, good. I just really appreciate you being here and sharing your story with listeners. I know that's probably um, not always easy to talk about. I hearing your story made me emotional at times. So I can only imagine what it meant for you to recall and recount that experience. Um, So thank you for being open and sharing what you've learned from everything with us. Do you know someone building their ag legacy or with stories of yesteryear on the farm that need to be shared? Please let us know or help them apply to be a guest on the show at farmingonpurpose.com slash guest. If you've enjoyed spending time with us today, please take a moment to review the show on Apple Podcasts or give us a share on social media. You can follow the host of Farming on Purpose, Lexi, at at Farming on Purpose on all social media. And let us know what topics you want to hear more about.